if I've not met you, my name is Scott. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life Cool and Gather. And we're in week three of our Crucial Conversation sermon series. Because Jesus calls his followers to love the Lord their God with their heart, soul, mind and strength. And therefore, as disciples, part of our apprenticeship means using our minds to think, to reflect, to grow by looking back on the story of Jesus and walking forward into our cultural moment. Because modern culture, we know, is, is continually shifting, right? It's persistently changing. Society is always changing and moving. But God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So today we're going to be looking at abundance, stewardship in the age of scarcity. Basically, greed versus generosity. And you might be sitting there thinking, oh no, I gave up my Sunday morning to come and hear a tithing message. Or you might be thinking, the church is always on about money. They're just after my money. Well, that's not totally true. You know, we have been here for two and a half, over two and a half years now. We planted at the beginning of 2020. And not once have we ever spoken about money or generosity. But as a pastor, it is my job to teach all of Scripture. And the Bible actually does talk about money and it does talk about generosity. And that's why this topic is actually part of our Crucial Conversation series. Because we don't like to talk about money, especially if it's actually being generous. We love talking about money if it's about making money, but not really giving it away, true? Or is that just me? I don't like to focus on it too much. So before we get into the message, I would love to pray. Would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your word, Lord, for your word is truth. And Lord, you do have some feelings and, and some thoughts on what we do with our, with our money, not only with our money, with our time and our talents. Lord, you do call us to be generous. So Lord, I pray that you would help me preach this message with truth, with grace, and with love. Lord, that in the end they wouldn't look to me, they'd only look to you, the one who brings life, and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now what I want to do is I actually want to start with the ejections, and, and the questions that will actually stop us leaning in today, because if I don't get them out of the way, there's a chance we won't actually be open to the Holy Spirit, and what he actually wants to change in our hearts regarding generosity and what the Bible actually teaches. So the first objection, or the first question might be, do we have to tithe as a church? No. And I can see my elder looking at me. No, we don't have to tithe. Tithing was an Old Testament law that God brought in for the nation of Israel through Moses. And they tithed, and it wasn't 10%, it was about 25% of their income, of their total income. They would actually tithe to the priests, to the Levitical family, to be able to service the Lord, to service the temple, to service the tabernacle. And so there was this tithe that God actually commanded the nation of Israel to bring. And that didn't include the sacrifices for sin or free will offerings. So it was quite a large amount that God actually commanded the nation of Israel to bring forward. But we in the church, we are New Testament church. We're not in the law anymore. We're not covered by that law. Jesus actually fulfilled the entire Old Testament law. So we're not under the law of tithing today. So the next question is, why do Christians give 10% to the church? Do I have to give 10%? No. No, you actually don't. And again, this didn't come from the law of Moses. This actually starts way before. Abraham gave 10% to Melchizedek. 
And we see even with Adam and Eve's kids, Cain and Abel, they gave an offering unto the Lord. And we see throughout the Bible where people come to God and they give a thanksgiving offering to him all the way through. So 10% actually started way before the law. It's just this Old Testament, it's this biblical principle that we can as Christians, Christians over the centuries have sort of followed this principle. Again, it's not a law, you don't have to do it. But Christians have followed that principle as a great place to start to give to the local church and the mission of God. So again, please hear me, it's not a law. This is something that the Christians have adopted. So the next question is, what if I have no money? What if I actually don't have any money to give? That's okay. Please do not feel guilty about not having money to give. And in fact, if that is you, please let us know. We would love to assist you with food and clothing and whatever you need. We have an arm of our church called New Life Care that helps Gold Coast people who need help. And we would love to help you. And we see this in the book of Acts with the early church where people would come, they would actually sell property and give the entire amount to the disciples, to the apostles, and just lay it at their feet. And the apostles would actually distribute it out to the widows and those that had need. So that is a biblical thing that we can do. We can support you, so please don't feel guilty. But if you can, if you don't have money, you can give of your time and your talents to others and be generous in totally different ways. So the next question is, do I have to give money to come to this church? No. You are absolutely welcome here, free of charge. We do not charge for the truth. We do not charge to preach the gospel. We don't charge for a church service. People, we need to understand church is not a consumer product. Though we do humbly ask, if you consider this your family, if you consider New Life the place where you come to worship, we would ask that you would consider giving to the mission of God through this church. So people would have a place that they can come and worship, where they can hear the gospel and be saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus. And as Christians, the last one would be, do we have to be generous? Yes. The Bible is really clear that we need to be generous with our time, our talents, and with our means, with our money as well. But not just to the church, in all of life, God calls us to be generous to people, to show them the love of God. It's actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Generosity. And this is actually what we're going to be exploring today. So you might agree or disagree with what I just said, and that is okay. I'm more than happy to catch up with you, grab a coffee, and we can discuss this topic further. But now that we've got some of that out of the way, where we'll be reading from is Mark chapter 6, verses 31 to 44. And it says this, And Jesus said to them, the disciples, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there, are, there were many coming and going, and they did not have, even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to them, shall we go and buy 200 denarii, like half a year's wages worth of bread, and give them something to eat? But then Jesus says to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. 
And they went and found out, they said, five, five loaves and two fish. And then Jesus commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks, hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed it and broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of the fish. And those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. 5,000 people were fed off some loaves and a couple of fish. Now, I remember before I was a Christian, I used to spend all my money on myself. I was so selfish. All I cared about was what I could get, my gain. How could I get more money that I could spend it on myself? And here's the crazy thing. I had a family and two kids. And then when I look back, I'm like, how was I so selfish? But but the whole world was pushing me in that direction, right? At one stage, I had like four cars. I had a race car, and I had all these other cars, and I was spending all my money on it. And I didn't care. I was so angry if something came in, like a bill for the house. I'm like, ah, oh, I wanted to spend that on my cars. And then I become a Christian. And God saves me. And then all of a sudden, my heart starts to change. I start seeing need, and I start seeing things, and I, and I see the mission of God. And I go, oh, I want to I give to that something in my heart changed. And so I sold all that stuff. And I think this story of the feeding of the 5,000, it actually reflects we're in a time and a culture and, and the power of generosity if we lean into it. You see, we live in a, in a culture of abundance, right? But our culture is always teaching us that we actually don't have enough. Like you don't have enough goods. You don't have enough cool experiences. You don't have enough wealth. We need more and more and more. And we see people on social media or on TV or the person next door who has more than us and we feel incomplete. We feel like we need to have more to be happy like them. And so we don't have room to give we, because we lack all that we actually want and desire. But as Mike shared last week about stewardship of creation... There's 1.5 times enough food being produced for every person in the whole world to eat. And we Australians throw away $36 billion of food a year. We actually throw it away. That would suggest that there is more than enough. There is plenty of room for generosity, and that's just food alone. That's not talking about other consumables like our clothes, our shoes, our electronics. We're not generous because we, we think we don't have enough because we need more and more than we actually have. Like we have a phone that's probably only a year old, but the new iPhone comes out, and I have to have it. Right? I have to spend $1,200 to get the new iPhone, and, but this one's totally fine. And so then we don't have margin to be generous. I've got to get the new car. I've got to get that bigger and better house. I've got to get that 20th pair of shoes. And then we say, I don't have anything left. We think we have nothing to give because our culture makes us pursue more. Did you know that Australians earning a total of 100000 a year puts them in the top 10% of the richest people in the entire world? Yet when you talk to the average Aussie, they'll tell you they just don't have enough. They're not content. They actually desire more. What we do is we have this mindset of lack, even though we're actually rich compared to the rest of the world. And this is the mindset from our culture, our consumer culture. 
And what that does is it moulds us into to selfish and greedy people that are always inward focused. And not only that, is our culture convincing us we don't have enough? We're looking into a future of a possible recession. Currently, we're experiencing super high inflation and cost of living. So it'd be easier for us to say, oh, I just need to keep that to myself out of fear. So as Christians, what do we do to fight this culture of not enough or this fear of the future? How do we change our mindset from not enough to a mindset of more than enough to share? Let's look at scripture. Let's look at this story. It says, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. And already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages, buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Here's this context. They're in a deserted place. And so the disciples have this mindset, there's just not enough. We can look at the future and go, that's a deserted place and we need to hoard what we've got. But they're in this deserted place and they're like, there's not enough food, there's not enough resources. Hey, Jesus, send them away. Get rid of them. It's not our problem. And the question is, do we think that? Do we think about the poverty around the world and go, not my problem? Are we so focused on getting more that we just think, no, that's someone else's issue? But here's what Jesus answered. He says, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii, half a year's wages worth of bread, and give them something to eat? I just love it how Jesus says, you feed them. Because Jesus could have fed them, right? He could have made bread right there like he's God. He could have turned the stones into bread. He didn't have to include the disciples, but he tells the disciples to feed them. Why? Because Jesus wants to address greed and selfishness and teach his disciples to be generous even in the face of limited resources. You know, the disciples, they complain, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough food. We need to keep this to ourselves. Like there's only enough for us. We're in a deserted place. This, this food will sustain us alone. So the disciples actually could have kept the food that they actually had to themselves, right? And this is what our culture is making us think. And what fear of the future makes us do, it makes us keep things to ourselves. And we convince ourselves that keeping everything to ourselves is actually okay. You know, often I hear when we go around to dinner, people pray for dinner, right? We pray, we say grace. People are like, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this food and we pray that you would feed the poor. Send them away. That's their problem, right? God's like, how about you feed them? Like, I'm asking you, you have resources to feed them. I want you to join with me and be generous. Just like Jesus says, you feed them to the disciples, maybe God's calling us. God's saying, I've provided enough food from the earth, but some people just hoard it to themselves. Timothy Keller says, there is an, in, there is an inequitable distribution of both goods and opportunities in this world. Therefore, if you have been assigned the goods of this world by God and you don't share them with others, it isn't just stinginess. It's injustice. And all through Scripture, God actually puts in practical ways to ensure that we share our resources so all are blessed, so others are blessed. If you look in Leviticus with the law, God said to the nation of Israel, hey, when you plough your fields, do not plough to the edges. Leave the edges. So the poor can come and reap the edges. I want you to think about the poor, that they would have something to eat. When you're gathering up those sheaves, whatever falls off the cart, whatever you drop, leave on the ground. 
And in Israel, the poor would come behind those reapers and actually gather up so they had food to eat. So the question is, is money bad? Is it bad to make money? Is it bad to be successful? No. But God doesn't want us to reap it all for ourselves. God wants us to, to bless other people. That God blesses us that we would be a blessing. He says this to Abraham in Genesis 12. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. This was actually the commission of the nation of Israel that they would be a blessing to all the other nations around them. And they kept walking away from that, from that command. So if God's blessed you with a lot, then he expects us to bless others that don't have much. But we think, this is my money. It's my talents. I don't have to give to God or others because it's mine. Timothy Keller says, a lack of generosity refuses to acknowledge that your assets are not really yours, but are God's. All that we have is a gift from God. Creation is a gift. God gifted humanity with creation. Everything that we reap from it is an absolute gift from him. God gives us the ability to work. Some people have beautiful minds like David. I don't have that mind. He's got an amazing mind. God gifts him with that, but he gifts him with that to use it, to be generous for others. That last breath you just took, that was a gift. God does not owe us anything. It's kind of like this. David, come here. Got a bit of cash, mate. Here we go. Here's a hundred bucks. Come on. I'm going to bless you that you be a blessing to someone here. Okay? Hey, you know how cool this is? This is a hundred dollar pair of shoes I want. Sweet deal. Get back here. Oi, give me that back. You dirty little... Nearly made me swear. <laughs> Everyone thinks David's skinny, right? He's not. I told him to do that. <laughs> but this is what we do. We receive blessings from God and we go, nah, that's mine. Nah, I've got stuff to spend. I've got things to do. I'm not going to be generous to anyone. So again, is money bad? No, it's not. 1 Timothy 6 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Money's not bad. It says the love of money is bad. Because the love of money can cause humanity to do horrible things to each other, can't it? And we can actually cause ourselves major griefs too with it in life. Sometimes we over leverage. Even as Christians, we're not content with what we got, so we need that better car, we need that massive house and then we have to spend all this money to maintain that lifestyle and we have no margin to be generous to anyone. So we, we stab ourselves through with these pains that we've got to keep keeping up with all these things. So what is your relationship with money? Do you love it more than God? Do you love money so much that you'll do anything to get it and to keep it? If so, then your life will be this never-ending pursuit of something that will never actually satisfy Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. We need to know who wrote this. Solomon. King Solomon wrote this, and they believe that he was the richest man to ever live on the face of the earth. Like at the time, countries would just come and bring tons of gold to him. They say silver was nothing in the streets. Like they just chucked silver out because it was like nothing. 
And this man gets to the end of his life and he's like, you know what? I've had it all. I've had all the riches you could possibly imagine. I've chased after it and it's been like chasing the wind. It's actually meaningless. So if you love money, you need to reassess what's really important in life. And you might say, well, of course you'll say Scott, that, Scott. You're a pastor. Well, let me give you a quote from Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, the actor, he's a non-Christian. He says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Here's a man that has all the fame, all the fortune, can do whatever he wants, and he goes, this is not the answer. Fame and fortune is just not the answer. Jesus says it in Luke 12. He says, watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. Jesus yells out, hey, watch out. All kinds. There's so many different kinds of greed that we can get sucked into. He says, life's not about amassing all these possessions. So what is the answer to greed? Well, it's generosity. And we get that in verse 38. Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Jesus is asking us, what have you got? What actually have you got in your hand to give? And the disciples, as I said before, they have a choice here. They could have said none. We have nothing to give and kept that food for themselves. Like, no, we don't have anything because we, we need that. They could have responded like, like we do. That's how we respond. We have nothing to give. Why do we respond like this? Because of this mindset of not enough. It's not like we don't have anything to give. We actually have plenty. But we just want more and more for ourselves. And therefore, we convince ourselves that we have no margin. And church, it's just not true. But in this moment, the disciples brought to Jesus what they had, the little amount they had. They didn't hold it back in greed or fear. The question is, will you bring to Jesus just simply what you have? It might not be money, it might be your time, it might be your talent. Will you fight greed and bring it to him? Because verse 41 says, And then Jesus had taken the five loaves and two fish. He looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. Jesus takes this little amount they had and he feeds everyone. God takes a small amount of generosity and he actually multiplies it. And you might say, well, Scott, they were the disciples. They knew Jesus would do something. Are we not disciples too? Do we not believe God can do something great with, with our generosity, no matter how small? I mean, have you ever been prompted to be generous on just a small thing? And you did it, but it made a huge difference in someone's life. You ever had that experience? Just think, oh, I feel like I need to encourage this person. And when you encourage them, it's such a small thing, such a small generosity. But then they're like, I actually needed that right now. Like I was in a deep, dark hole, and I just didn't know if anyone cared. Or when you just thought, you know what, I'm going to buy this person a coffee or lunch. It's so small. And they're like, wow, thank you so much. You have no idea what that did giving of your time to help someone move, or just love and support when they're going through hard times. This is what a Christian does. These little offerings can do far more to that person than we could ever imagine or dream, right? We've all experienced something like that at some stage. And Acts 20.35 tells us, it says, Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than receive. We all know that to be true, right? We all would agree. We all know the joy of giving. 
And this is what being generous with our time, our talents, our resources can do, especially when we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit and to glorify God. God takes these small acts of generosity and he multiplies it. And we see how it affects people's lives. Look at Alpha. Like Alpha costs money. Costs us a few thousand dollars every time we run it. We have people who volunteer their time every Tuesday night to come and be part of Alpha. But we see lives changed. We see people go from death unto life. We see lives transformed by the power of Jesus. It's worth it. We sit back after Alpha and we're like, God, you are amazing. One of our partners, mission partners, is Compassion, where we sponsor children overseas that are poor. It's $2 a day. $2 a day is nothing to us. But we saw some testimonies a few weeks ago of the difference that made in that person's life. It took them from a, a projection of poverty to having schooling and a job. It not only transformed their lives, it transformed their family and their town. That small amount God multiplies into something amazing. Look inside your heart and ask yourself, is this right? And church, please hear me. Do not do any of this. None of it out of guilt. But if you believe, then do it with a cheerful heart. 2 Corinthians 9 says, Each one of you must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He's saying, Christians, we must give, but, but do it out of a cheerful heart. Do it willingly. Don't do it under compulsion. God's looking for real generous givers. God doesn't need our money. He needs our heart. So what Paul what, the, what was the result then of the disciples giving what they had? Verse 42 says, They all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. I love this, because even at the end there was enough. There was 12 disciples, and they collected up 12 baskets worth of food. So they bring the little they have, freaking out that that's all going to go, Jesus multiplies it, but there was still enough for them to have a meal. Mother Teresa says, God gives us things to share. God doesn't give us things to hold. Why? Because when we give, we reflect the God that we worship. Sometimes we can say, well, they don't deserve it. We don't deserve salvation. We rejected God. We walked away from God. Every single person of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but God doesn't go, that's their problem. Send them away. He goes, no, I'm going to enter into that. I'm going to come in human flesh, and I'm going to die on the cross for you. I'm going to give of myself that you would have life, and life to the full. Our God is a giving God. John 3.16 said, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave us his son. And Jesus left his position next to the Father, he gave up. It says that, that even though he had a quarter with God, it was not something that he grasped or held on to, but he let go of it. He gave it away that he would come in human flesh. And then he gave his life on the cross, that he would spill his blood, that we would be redeemed and forgiven. And then through that, God gives us the gift of eternal life, gives us salvation. It's a free gift. We can't earn it. We simply just come. And then he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. God himself comes and lives in each and every, in every side, inside every single Christian. Then the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, spiritual gifts that we're meant to use for the service of the church and of the world, that they would see God in and through us. 
And then he gives us a new life, not only now, but for eternity. Why is God so generous? Because of love. Love gives. Amy Carmichael says, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. If we have been transformed by love, then we will love. Church, and love gives. Church, if we are the children of God, we're called to reflect his character and his nature, so we should be compelled to be generous, just like he's been generous to us. We will live a life of generosity, giving our time, our talents, and our resources to the mission of God through the local church, but also in all other aspects of our lives. So why did I preach this message today? Because as I stated at the start of the message, as a pastor, I'm commanded by God and the scriptures to teach the whole of the Bible. Even if it challenges us, even if it challenges one of the biggest issues in our heart and culture today, which is greed. And you go, where, Scott? Well, Paul commands Timothy. Timothy was a disciple of Paul. He was sent out to plant a church, and he commands Timothy, the pastor of a church in Ephesus, which they believe was the biggest church at the time. He says, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the age to come, so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Do you want to know what a life that is truly life is? It's a life of generosity. He says, I command you to command them. This is not a suggestion. He's saying, don't be arrogant and hope in wealth. Trust God. These gifts are things that we're given to enjoy. It's beautiful. But he commands us to do good, to be generous, to share. And there is an eternal reward. Remember, it's more blessed to give than receive. Because generosity brings life. James, would you like to come up, mate? So the question is, how do we do this with this ever-increasing pull of greed on our lives from these surroundings, this ever-increasing consumer culture bearing down on us, telling us we, we actually don't have enough? Well, we need to be practical. It's really simple. It's like most of life. Sometimes we over-spiritualize things, right? Sometimes we just need to practice what we believe in practical ways. So where do you start? Start with prayer. Come before God and go, God... Where in my life can I be more generous? Can I give them my time, my talents? Is there resources you're wanting me to give? People in your community might just pop in your mind and go, like, I want you to help them. That's awesome. Start with prayer. You know, for me, practically, when I became a Christian, even now today, each year I look at my wage and I go, cool. I take on the biblical principle of percentage and I look and I go, okay, I'm going to give a certain percentage of my wage. I'm just going to give it to the church. And then I'm going to look at other ways that I can give to compassion and other areas. And I go, look, I'm actually going to set that aside. Because here's the reality. I'm just going to be real with you. And we all know it. Church costs money. Like this building costs money. The lights, the power, the water. They actually practically cost money. And if you call New Life Home, we're just humbly asking if you would actually join with us. And be generous towards the mission of God here in Coolangatta that we would see more people more like Jesus. And so how you can do that, you can just set stuff aside. You can set something aside just in your mind or weekly. Paul says this, it's practical advice to the Corinthians. 
He says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Really practical. He's like, hey, just set some stuff aside. So when I come, you're not like, oh, what can I give? It's like, just set things aside. Whatever you decide in your heart, set it aside that when I come, that it wasn't even for their local church. This was on top of, they were giving to another church who was really struggling at the time. So practical ways you can do that. You can just set up electronic deductions. That's what I do. We do it with the rest of life, right? We set it up for our phones and our cars and our mortgages. I do that because I know my heart. I know if it's in there, I'll want to spend it. So when my wage comes in, it just goes out immediately to my compassion kids, to all these areas where I've determined in my heart where I want to give. It's just a simple way to guard our hearts. Just practical ways that we can look at this. And then I'm always looking for opportunity. It's not like, well, I've given and that's my job. Send them away. There's just moments where I'm like, oh, can I bless this person with, with a coffee? Can I bless them with a lunch? What can I bless them with? It was a beautiful moment last week and I won't say who did it because I'd be so embarrassed, but they came up to me during church. Oh, it warms my heart. And they said, I heard about someone who's in need and I have the means and I want you to give this to them. I don't want them to know. I want to bless them. That's the heart of God. Now, don't do it out of compulsion, but do it out of a joyful heart. And if I don't want to be generous, if I don't feel the need to, if I feel the need to keep everything to myself, I need to ask myself a deeper question of my soul. Do I really know the generosity of God that's actually given me so much? A Christian never really feels like they give enough. If we actually get away from culture and the noise of culture, we know deep down there's more room for generosity in all of our lives. So to start with, ask God to be obedient. And I promise you, you will see God do amazing things with what you give. Just imagine with me for a moment. If we were a church full of Christians that were generous like God, more people, more like Jesus. Imagine with me if we were a church full of the Holy Spirit, full of love, full of the love of God, that people with a transformed heart, that we would be cheerful givers of our time, our talents, and our resources in all of life. Man, we would see the kingdom of God as it is in heaven on earth. We would see God multiply and transform lives and cities and suburbs and nations and families. We would see here in Coolangatta, our workplaces, our families and our friends transformed. Church, that excites me. That vision of the kingdom of God, that excites me. And I know God will take that little amount that we give and multiply it for the good of humanity and the glory of God far beyond what we could ever imagine or dream. I want to leave you with this quote from Corrie ten Boom. She says, The measure of a life, after all, is not its duration, but its donation. It's not its duration. It's not the possessions you have when you leave. It's those that have been affected by your love, by your generosity, by God's grace. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much, God, for your undeserved generosity. 
the power of your love displayed on the cross. That Lord, though we didn't deserve it, you came. You laid your life down. You gave up everything for us. Lord, I pray the reality of the gospel, the reality of the cross, the reality of your goodness and your love will transform our hearts that we would always be on mission, no matter where we find ourselves with a generous heart, with a cheerful heart, knowing that we are reflecting you. Come, Holy Spirit. In this moment, start with me, Lord. Transform my heart, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Move in and through your people here, God. That we would not feel guilty. That we would desire more of you. And Lord, we just thank you for your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Would you like to stand with me? Our God is worthy of our worship. If we don't give anything, we can give him praise and glory. Amen? Amen.